Alrighty, welcome back to the Norwood Noise uh, podcast here. Uh, coming to you live, I am back in my hometown of Kansas City, Graham, of course, uh, in Columbus. Graham, you want to say hello? Hello. Uh, just a little bit of a strange week with cancellations and new rule changes and not that eventful of a week in terms of games. So a little recap and then we'll Absolutely. get straight into what's going on in college basketball world. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, it is Wednesday, December 22nd, the afternoon now, so it's 3.15 Central, 4.15 Eastern Time. Um, so this is kind of a midday update for you. Um, going into Christmas weekend, so not a lot of games on the slate this weekend either. Going to be a pretty ho-hum weekend in college basketball, but it might be kind of good. Obviously, we'll get into it all later, but with uh, the amount of COVID uh, pauses teams have gone on and cancellations and forfeits and such like that, um, which we'll discuss all today. Uh, but obviously maybe a good good time to have a little break um, over the weekend and kind of reset a little bit, let kids go home to their families and that kind of thing. So anyways, um, moving forward, uh, let's we're just going to briefly, since there really weren't a ton of like super eventful games this past week, um, I'm just going to run through and touch on a couple. Uh, Graham, obviously, feel free to comment whenever. Um, the big One of the big ones, uh, Friday night, uh, last Friday, December 17th, uh, Creighton took care of Villanova at uh, in Omaha, 79-59, 20-point win. Um, again, and, and I'll get into this more later, but I think this is going to be one of those years where the Big East um, is similar to kind of how the Big 12 has been the last few years, and they really just kind of beat each other up um, throughout the whole year just because there are so many good teams in the Big East this year, and I think a lot of them are around that same kind of ranking. I'd say pretty much you know everyone from Villanova, Providence, Seton Hall, Xavier. Um, I'd even throw like St. John's. Um, you know, um, I'd throw Creighton in that conversation. Marquette, uh, UConn, obviously. I think all those teams are anywhere from 15 to 40 best teams in the country. You know, anywhere from 15th to 40th if you're going to rank out the best teams in the country. So I think there's a lot of really good teams kind of in that area, and I think a lot of teams are kind of going to kind of get beat up this year um, through Big East conference play. Um, but obviously a notable game there with a 20-point win there for Creighton. Um, and then moving into the Saturday slate, uh, Providence again, another example, took care of UConn just by four, um, but at UConn. So Providence getting a win there uh, to open there. Mm-hmm. Um, Big East play, Xavier, 80-71 to over Marquette, a very solid win there. We'll get to that later. Um, Kentucky, a little bit of a shocker uh, after – Multiple cancellations and reorganization of the schedule at the CBS Sports Classic. Um, Kentucky ended up playing North Carolina, which wasn't the original matchup on the schedule, but it did end up happening. Kentucky came out, I believe, I think it was a three-point favorite or a two-point favorite. It was it was a very close line uh, and ended up winning by 29, uh, 98-69. Um, and, yeah, I just – I don't know if it's – I don't really know. Graham, what do you think? Do you think the story there more is um, Kentucky good or North Carolina bad? Um, I think Kentucky has been finding their groove as of late. Um, I think that they have a great man in the middle, Oscar Shiway, and I think he's kind of like a like a baby Kofi Coburn down there. I mean, he really just rakes in rebound after rebound. He's averaging like fourteen. He's been their leading scorer. Um, and Kentucky's surrounding him with like just pure athletes are a very hard team to guard i think the atner dame loss was a fluke they've been taking care of these non-conference games including 
uh, North Florida, Central Michigan, um, and now with uh, playing North Carolina and what would have been a lot closer of a game, um, but North Carolina's been really struggling this year, and um, I think that they haven't been convincing in their non-conference games, um, and I'm just really interested to see how the ACC like pans out. Um, we might talk about this a little bit further, but ACC ADs, they changed their ruling on what they're going to do during uh, when COVID affects the, the team's ability to play. They're no longer going to forfeit games. Um, what they're saying is if you have seven active players and one coach who are able to compete and be on the court in a safe proximity to each other, you have to play that game. And I think that's going to be very interesting because we've seen teams, um, we've seen like the Pac-12 and now the Big East um, with Providence is now 2-0 and um, in the Big East due to one of their forfeited games. Like, it's going to be interesting like come the end of the year when like, if they're going to keep postponing games, when are they going to get these games in? And when you have to travel from, you know, from Tallahassee all the way up to Boston and in New York with Syracuse, like... Uh, I think it's going to be a lot come tournament time for like teams like the ACC, the ACC, if you're going to um, enact the seven seven and one rule they're calling it. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think I mean obviously all of the kind of all the ads are are meeting here this week or in the coming days uh, to kind of discuss you know with the riot recent rising cases and what. Um, how they're going to handle that, how each conference is going to handle that. So we'll break all that down for you once we kind of have a final decision from each of those conferences. That'll probably be next week's pod um, as it's kind of ongoing really today. I mean, I know I know both the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are, are meeting today. Um, so, again, we'll just have to see kind of what they come to a consensus on. Um, hopefully, my, my only hope, I guess, personally would be that it'd be something fairly consistent across of all the conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, that way it doesn't make it that hard on the committee to kind of judge um, how different situations may have been handled uh, per conference. So that would kind of be the only thing on my mind. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree with you all the points uh, on uh, Kentucky and North Carolina. I think Oscar Chibwe has been phenomenal. Um, I would also say, too, like I think just the ACC in general this year, outside of obviously COVID regulations and such like that, the ACC is just really like not that great. Um, Duke, uh, I was looking at their conference schedule. They do not have a top 25 team as of right now on their schedule for the rest of the year. And that's not a normal thing for the ACC. You don't see that very often um, where, you know, your top team, Duke, is going into the into conference play and not having anyone um, in the top 25 to play. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how the committee ranks that and how that uh, plays into at-large bids and that kind of thing. So we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that uh, as the season goes along. Um, other notable results from Saturday was Baylor sneaking out against Oregon. Uh, actually hilarious. They were, I believe, a seven and a half point favorite going into that game. Uh, lots of people uh, all of the all over the uh, you know college basketball Twitter and Reddit pages and stuff like that were saying, "Oh, this is lock of the year. Baylor's going to kill Oregon. Um, Oregon's been really unimpressive this year, and they just snuck out covering that uh, seven and a half. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, what what if that sparks anything for Oregon, or if they continue to just be kind of you know." ho-hum um but we'll have to see um and then again you know baylor continuing to just take care of business uh moving forward um also hofstra took care of arkansas arkansas has been fairly unimpressive since 
you know, kind of mid, kind of since the uh, the Thanksgiving break or Thanksgiving time uh, games that ever since then uh, Arkansas has been having some struggles. We'll see how they uh, kind of shape up against um, those other, you know, real solid uh, SEC teams um, in conference play. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward to the week, um, nothing super notable on Monday night. Uh, Tuesday night, again, more cancellations as we've seen. USC, Oklahoma State canceled. Kansas, Colorado canceled. Um, but really the big headliner from Tuesday night was Davidson uh, upsetting number 10 Alabama, first top 10 win since 2008 when Stephen Curry was on that Davidson roster. Really cool to see that. Um, I know, I mean, Grandma lets you kind of take it take it away at this point, uh, being the resident Wildcat, but uh, definitely a fun one to watch personally from my end and, uh, and you know, fun to see a – a smaller team, and especially this being a game that wasn't originally scheduled. Uh, Davidson was supposed to play Loyola Chicago this week, um, and Alabama didn't have a game on their schedule, I believe. So cool to see that they came together and, and made something happen and, and made a memorable win for, for this Davidson team. Right. Um, th- this, this Davidson team has been exceptional um, so far. Uh, they – Started the year with a very close loss, just a San Francisco team that's been proving to be a very solid team. Um, and then a kind of like a strange New Mexico State loss. But since then, I mean, they've been on a like eight or nine game win streak. Um, it, it was actually quite difficult for them. They had to go all the way to Birmingham to um, play Alabama in like a, you know, quote, neutral site game. And then... They flew back that night and had a game against Johnson and Wales, uh, which is at home, a very close game for them uh, at home against another North Carolina team, where they won convincingly with a 40-point game. Um, I think this this is a great win for Davidson because now when you get that big of a road win um, – and neutral site, you only have to play Dayton once. You only have to play St. Bonaventure once for their conference play. Uh, I'm looking forward to um, how this team could possibly be an at-large team if they take care of conference play. Um, but I think the the story really is is uh, Alabama. You know that all all season long it's been up and down for them with beating Gonzaga and then dropping this Davidson game. Um, and they lost to Memphis this past week. This Alabama team is really dependent on their energy and if their shots are falling. And I really just don't know if you can trust that come season, you know, I mean, tournament time. Um, but I'm interested to see how they handle, you know, like a fast-paced SEC schedule when you have to play good opponents every single night because I think and best way to describe this Alabama team is they definitely play to the their opponent when Davidson you know was like getting their slow pace getting chucking up shots um a lot a lot of three dependent um baskets Alabama started to speed up as well and you know they were shooting more and shooting more and shooting more and once Alabama kind of understood what was going on they came back Davidson was up 13 points in the final few minutes and Alabama came back and it was down to a missed free throw that would have sent the game to overtime um so Alabama almost squeezed out of there so it wasn't a terrible loss but at the same time this is the team that beat Gonzaga when they played to their level so 
I'm very interested to see what they do when they have to play a good team every single night. There's no bouncing around. Um, and I think that would be pretty telling of their conference play to see if this team is for real or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some really good, really good points made there. Um, and, and two, I mean, it, the SEC, this is going to be one of their better years, you know, in recent memory, obviously. Um, you've got multiple ranked teams right now. Arkansas, obviously, probably going to drop out of the rankings this week. But, um, or, excuse me, did drop out of the rankings on Monday. Um, but, again, Arkansas, I still think quality team. Just got to kind of find their groove. Um, LSU's a quality team, top 25 level. Auburn's top 25 level. Obviously, Kentucky's always there. Tennessee's up there. So, lots of really good uh, teams this year uh, in the in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Florida kind of been a, a, a question mark. We don't really know uh, what to what to expect from them. But anywho, um, moving forward, I, that's kind of it for big results. Obviously, we'll we'll touch on in the Musketeer Man at the end. We'll touch on the uh, the Xavier um, the two games uh, this past week for Xavier. Uh, but really, the first thing that I kind of wanted to do, or the the first big thing I wanted to touch on today, or I guess our main point, um, was Graham. I just wanted to kind of talk to you and, and have a a quick, you know, back and forth about what um, all of the, the this rise in cases and what uh, you want to see from conferences and teams and uh, even the NCAA as a whole come tournament time, those kinds of things um, when considering, you know, how to handle these situations, forfeits, um, reschedules, such like that. Like, I just kind of want to hear what, um, what your takes are on that. Yeah, um, I think... These past few weeks, it's been extremely telling that um, we have definitely not escaped the pandemic-gripping seasons. You know, obviously two years ago, the tournament was canceled, and then last year they had the... um, They did all the steps necessary to try to get back to normal. And, you know, this year, you know, with, like, the sellout, like arenas and you know big crowds and tailgating and all these explosive games and you know they're traveling to florida and las vegas again really thought that like we would be headed back to you know quote normalcy but with um the holidays coming around and kids going back home and big arenas and you're constantly traveling the wear and tear that could take on your body um we're just seeing a huge rise of covid cases and games are now getting canceled and that's just something that I hope these teams and the NCAA has to just accept that, like, it's still here. Um, and games are going to have to get canceled. Games are going to have to be moved. They're going to have to, you know, shift times around and change how we travel. But I really don't think because of the, the t- technology, the vaccines, um, the healthcare systems a lot more under control. I don't think it's time to pause. But it is time to get um, some more clarity across all the conferences on what they're going to do going forward. Because come tournament time, you know, when you're looking at the at-large bids, you're, we're going to have a team, like, let's say, from the Big East. And let, let's say they finish their year, you know, they're like 10-5 and five in their conference. And, you know, you look at, like, the net rankings, you look at the strength of schedule and who they play and where they play them. You're like, oh, okay, you know, they played in the Big East, they were 10-5, and five. this team definitely deserves it. But then you might look at, like, a team from the ACC who's, like, 
you know, let's say they're eight and eight or whatever it ends up being. And they're like 500 and you kind of push them aside like, oh, weaker conference, whatever. But that team could very well be playing without their best player every night. And now with the seven and one rule, they might have seven guys in the rotation and one coach who may not even be their head coach. Right. And, you know, they have to grind out their games a lot more than a team that could be 10 and five by default. I mean, already you have multiple games in the Big East being canceled, multiple games in the Pac-12 being canceled, and now even the Big Ten is getting can- games canceled and forfeited results. I mean, these teams are have like 2-0 and or 3-0 and with like an asterisk, an asterisk now. So I think there needs to be clarity across the board on what they want to do going forward because this level of discrepancy between the teams and the conferences is going to create this huge mess come tournament time. And I think a lot of teams are going to get overlooked. But I think especially where um, we're going to suffer is the smaller conferences, like the West Coast. No, absolutely. Atlantic 10, Missouri Valley. Uh, even Ohio Valley sent two teams last year. Like There are multiple conferences that are on the rise that we've been talking about for weeks with um, COVID years and transfer eligibility rules changing that like this, you know the mid-majors and smaller schools are on the rise, but if they... They don't have the money and the funding to yeah, afford. Yeah, dare, so like, yeah, dare I dare I say, Graham Graham Griffith coined it the uh, the rise of the mid major this year. Ex- like, ex- this is gonna be the year of the mid major in college basketball. Exactly. <laughs> now, but if these smaller schools have different rules on how they're gonna be playing these games, and they're just gonna focus on you know like the power five, power six conferences, you right. know, I think that these wins are gonna be diluted a little bit. So there needs to be more clarity and action needs to be taken by the NCAA to say, no, if you don't have this many players, you can't play. If you don't have this many players, um, you can't travel this day, or whatever it ends up being, because I think we're going to have a huge mess in the next coming weeks if we don't have clarity across the board of how they're going to take on games being canceled and moved and around and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, couldn't agree more, and I, I do think clarity is definitely uh, going to be a key moving forward. Um, and I think they just, you know, I think the leagues across the board just have to decide: do we want to be more aggressive and and definitely push to get the games played as scheduled, or do we want to be more lenient and try and you know reschedule games and things like that? And I'm not really opposed to either idea. I just think either way, um, postponement is always going to be tough because trying to reschedule games, uh, especially coming down. Cause like, I even remember last year, um, you know, the way that KU finished their season and, um, they had a game against Iowa state canceled that they tried to reschedule and it just didn't fit. Like there were simply not enough days before the big 12, mm-hmm. uh, tournament that they could get it in. And so it was just interesting to try and, and granted, of course, last year that didn't matter because Iowa state was, you know, a two win team and, and went over in the conference. But point being, um, they're unable to make it happen and just not being able to fit games into schedules towards the end of the mm-hmm. season is definitely something that I could see being a, a very large possibility um, as we come down to it towards the end of the season. And two, you got to think about, you know, those players legs, you know, playing them, you know, two, three, four games, you know, in a week or two um, right before conference play. And then, okay, cool. Then you, then you're traveling again and then you're kicking off, you know, conference tournament, and then you're traveling again and you're playing, you know, a couple games a weekend in the NCAA tournament, and it's just, it would be a lot. Um, 
on the players' legs. So I think obviously making every effort to get the game uh, played as scheduled is probably going to be the best in the end. But then again, that obviously brings in more subjectivity, you know, from the from the uh, the tournament selection committee and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the big thing, and I think we both we both are in, are in agreement about this, but just getting your players vaccinated, you know, appropriately, mm-hmm. you know, two times, and then the booster, obviously, um, and and knowing what the protocol are and being, you know, more strict about it, because I think obviously myself included, everyone got a little more laid back um, this fall with it, and I think it's still obviously very much a concern um, across the board for, for everyone out there, but obviously um, in this case within college basketball too. Right, and I think what we're going to see with these conferences is – I don't think that they want to play games with limited players um, because I don't think that these teams want to play, you know, their walk-ons or their low-of-the-end-of-the-bench low guys for these games. Um, and the NCAA and these conferences are very, very passionate about keeping things on schedule. Um, well, they haven't said much about the tournament uh, yet because that's – a long ways away in the grand scheme of things. They have been saying stuff about the New Year's Six games, and I don't know if you've been up to date with the college football um, playoff plans, but I wanted to read this real quick. That if the team's unavailability is determined after the playoff semifinals have been conducted, the national championship game in Indianapolis may be rescheduled, but can, or no, they will not be rescheduled later than January 14th. If one team is able to play and the other is not and the game cannot be rescheduled or is rescheduled and cannot be played, then the team unable to play shall forfeit the game and the other team is declared national champions. Um, if both teams are unable to play on either an original or a rescheduled date, then the game shall be declared no contest and the college football national championship game shall be vacated for the season. So they are so unwilling you know, to move um, their games around, that they're giving them one free pass to move the game. But they are not moving it past January 14th. And I just cannot believe that after a season of, you know, these sellout crowds and college football, you know, we think we're back and whatever. Because, um, to be fair, I, college football, it felt like it wasn't affected much um, by COVID this year. I, because... I guess maybe the outdoor environment or people weren't taking it that seriously or whatever it may have been or the variants weren't, weren't as strong and prevalent. Um, but it would it would just be ab- absurd that we very well might see a, like, a vacated season just because of the unwillingness right. to move past January 14th. Yeah. No, absolutely agree. Um and I think that's something that unfortunately is kind of pretty consistent across a lot of college athletics. So we'll just have to see uh, moving forward what, what conferences, you know, in college basketball do and then how the NCAA handles it come tournament time. Because I think the way that they handled it last year was actually um, fairly well done. Obviously, they had the bubble scenario, though. So we'll have to see if that is something that's consistent. Obviously, as of now, the plan is to not have a bubble scenario. Um, but I think, you know, once you get past that second weekend, obviously, Final Four-wise, you know, I think that's probably not a bad call or, or even even Sweet 16 Elite 8 time moving it into more of a contained bubble environment would probably not be a bad call um, if we do want to get these games in and on time. So, And obviously, once you get to that NCAA tournament time, you can 
uh, better regulate, you know, testing schedules and, and stuff like that. So we will have to see, um, obviously, how that goes moving forward. Just to give you a quick, um, you know, stats update, as of 11.20 Eastern today, so earlier this morning, um, 52 D1 men's basketball programs uh, had to temporarily stop playing or go on a COVID-19 pause. Um, 40 of those are, uh, excuse me, more than 40 of those are currently um, on uh, COVID pause. So we will have to see, um, you know, what what that looks like coming forward um, and moving forward and see if that continues to grow. I'm sure it will. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, ACC ADs are, are meeting this week. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference is meeting today. Um, the NCA is having a call with, or excuse me, the NCA apparently had a call with uh, with a medical advisory panel um, and membership uh, talking about the Omicron variant. Um, the Big Ten obviously also has had a meeting today in the Pac-12 as well. So again, this is all happening very fast and, and a little bit out of... Um, you know, a little bit quicker than I think anybody wanted to see it happen, but uh, unfortunately it is action that needs to be taken, and uh, we'll see again what happens moving forward, and again, hopefully we have kind of league-wide policies that we can present to you next week and kind of fill you in on and uh, give you a little bit of our takes as well, obviously, on them. So not to damper uh, the subject of obviously we do get to see college basketball again this year, but definitely something that we had to touch on um, and do a little bit of a uh, uh, COVID portion here for a minute mm-hmm. um, and just t- touch on that. Um, but moving forward, back to the basketball, back to the, the actual games being played. Um, last Saturday, Xavier got a very solid win against uh, a good Marquette team at home. Um, took care of business there and uh, really, really buckled in uh, down the stretch. So that was good to see, I think. Um, and then obviously last night, uh, an unfortunate loss uh, on the road at Villanova. I think probably an expected loss. Um, but I think that's kind of a piece of it, too. I think there was... Uh, you know, I think that's a little bit of the attitude from the Xavier fan base and from maybe even the players a little bit. You know, obviously I'd hope not, but I think a lot of people going into the game were saying, yeah, I mean, of course we're going to lose. It's on the road at Villanova. And I think this was definitely the team, the first team in a few years that could have beat Villanova on the road. Mm-hmm. And they showed that in the first half. Um, Well-executed game plan. Obviously shots were falling, so that helped. Um, but really they looked, it looked like a very good half of Xavier basketball. And then second half, just everything went south. Um, getting outscored 41-20 to 20 in the second half, shooting 0-15 from three. I mean, those are just a couple stats that are not going to help you in any way. Um, against a top 25-level team, I don't care if they're 7-4 and four, now 8-4, and four, um, and people are you know, worrying about Villanova dropping from the rankings, blah, blah, blah. This is still a very solid Villanova team and still a Jay Wright coach team, and you know what you're going to get out of them. So definitely, definitely a disappointing result, um, to say the least. But I, I do think... Uh, you know, hopefully it's a it's a lesson taken forward, you know, from these Xavier players and and moving into uh, next week midweek um, at home against UConn, which again no slouch either. So right, it, I'm very looking forward to um that that rematch. It, it's a second week of January. Villanova comes to Cincinnati to play Xavier. Really looking forward to that game because I guess yeah, it's, it's the third day of classes back for us. I mean, it's yeah. like immediately when we get back. Uh, I think that the Villanova game was definitely in our hands. And um, if there is a time to steal a win against a very good Villanova team, I think it is now just because they don't really have their offensive identity down quite yet. Um, they've been struggling to move the ball. It's a, 
a recent low in the past five years of 13 assists per game. Um, under half of their made field goals are, are assisted, which is still fairly good, but is not the Villanova that we're used to. They've been definitely struggling to score um, efficiently this year. Um, but I def- to go back to the Xavier game, it's a very frustrating loss because you look at w- what happened, and it's not so much what Villanova did, it's what Xavier did. Um, didn't do, rather. I mean, yeah, exactly. couldn't make shots. We forced so many turnovers. And really, as soon as like Villanova had momentum, I feel like we didn't have enough of those emphatic plays or great stops or energy plays where you're like, okay, all right, we can calm down. Like As soon as the crowd got behind Villanova, it's very hard to beat them. And we didn't do enough to um, settle that. Um, but you look going forward, you have UConn, um, who has looked really tough this year. Um, two preseason um, Big East players that, you know, this Big East, team, Big East like as a whole has been very competitive thus far. And Xavier really needs this win uh, because I think getting back into the momentum that we had and then riding it into the new year will help us out so much because we have this and then Georgetown and then you're starting a new year, new calendar year, and hopefully you're making the push for the first tournament in um, over three years. So I think Xavier has all the tools. I think that game, I mean, obviously you never want to lose a conference game and never to a rival, but if there is a game to lose, I think it's that game because it was in our control. We know what we did. We know what we didn't do. So I'm looking forward to how they change um, in the coming weeks when they play them again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would totally agree. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes from this, not not necessarily, you know, what what happened in the game, but what comes from this uh, moving forward. And I would say, too, like, I think, you know, it was unfortunate because Villanova was very due for a win. Like, they needed a big, emphatic win. Um, they just got outplayed by Baylor. I mean, completely. They got embarrassed by Baylor. Um and they had a couple other tough games, obviously a big loss to Creighton. So so Villanova was, was hungry and desperate and due for a win. And honestly, like I think Xavier was a little bit due for a loss. I mean, they had been rolling, rolling, rolling uh, through Big East play, so, or through the early part of Big East play and the end of non-conference. So I, I do think it was kind of just bad timing, unfortunately. Um, but I agree. I think I think going into the this early bit of, of Big East play, a big game against UConn next week, Georgetown, and then at Butler um, is never an easy one at, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I will be in attendance. I haven't told you that yet, but I'm uh, looking to get tickets on my way back um, and try and sneak into Indy and uh, check, catch, catch a game at Hinkle and see the boys on the road. Um, but, yeah, and then rolling rolling back down to Cincinnati and uh, yeah, Villanova the next week. So I think it'll be a good time. I think it's like the perfect amount of time in between playing them once and playing them again. Um you get to let both teams kind of get into their conference play swings, and uh, and we'll kind of see what happens after that and uh, what the next game against Villanova brings. But that's not to overlook any game in between here and there because obviously Xavier is very apt to losing any of these games mm-hmm. in, the, in the coming uh, coming week, you know, coming weeks before that one. So, all righty. Well, I think that'll wrap us up today. Um, I don't have anything else, Graham. I don't believe you do either, unless I'm missing something. Uh no, uneventful week. Uh, due to no no Saint no Saint Thomas no Saint Thomas updates. Oh yeah, I haven't checked on them. We we can see what's going on <laughs> with the Tommies. 
Gotta check on your Tommies. Uh, um. Alright. Well, let's see what's going on. But the St. Thomas Tommies. So, they're in a tough battle right now with the Denver Pioneers. Usually a... Oh, they're playing like right now? Yeah, usually um, a hockey school. And judging by Denver's record, they definitely are still a hockey school. They're up 10 points, though. Um, last few games, St. Thomas uh, beat Omaha on the road. Uh, they scored 109 points on Northland in a 59-point win. So, don't sleep on St. Thomas. Um, they've dropped games to Drake by 10 points and Montana State by 7. Um, but, yeah, they're sitting at 500, which, <laughs> all things considered. I mean, nevertheless, with one with one scholarship player, that is really, really impressive. Yeah, so go Tommies, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I would love. <laughs> and with cancellations and forfeited games, if there's a season for chaos, it's this season. I would right, love exactly. to, for them to have, like, two COVID pauses in their tournament and they – they're in the NCAA tournament as a D3 team. <laughs> that would that be would unbelievable. Be yeah. Who knows what the season could bring, um, and we're sure to find out here over the next coming months. But, alrighty, that'll wrap us up today uh, here on Wednesday, December 22nd. That'll be it. We're going to wrap this pod here, call it uh, an afternoon. Um, and, obviously, this will be it before uh, before Christmas time and the holidays. So, uh, you know, Graham, a Merry Christmas to you and a Merry Christmas uh, to all of our listeners and obviously um happy holidays to you all and we'll catch up with you next week right before the new year hopefully we'll have again all of those um covid protocol that we can go over and kind of briefly touch on and then hopefully some more games to talk about um again not a big weekend so probably not a lot excuse me from the weekend um but maybe early week next week i think there's some decent games on the schedule so we will hopefully get it all figured out and figure out when the best time uh you know is to is to wrap all that up um but yeah so that'll that'll wrap us here uh hope you all have a great holiday and uh again thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon here in just one week all right we'll see you guys